This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. If you have your Bibles already in hand, turn with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 3. This morning we're going to continue our sermon series on the church. As we get into this part of the series, we're going to be moving into some sensitive areas. This morning we're talking about the glory in the church. So as we navigate through these particular sermons, we now get into the areas of where there's some sensitivities, how it affects us personally and our responsibility not only to one another but to God as well. Now, if you have your Bibles, I want you to look with me in Ephesians chapter 3. I want you to notice with me in Ephesians chapter 3, I'm going to begin reading in verse number 13 through 21. The Apostle Paul is writing. He says in verse 13, Wherefore, I desire that you faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Are you part of the family of God? Well, according to the word of God, you read this right here, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Verse 16, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, In verse 13, he talked about your glory. In verse number 16, he talks about the riches of his glory. To be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, that she might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. The Bible, the Word of God that you hold in your hand today, most everyone in this auditorium would agree that this is a wonderful book. We handle it every day. We read it every day, or we ought to. In fact, it's the very first thing that I put my hand upon in the morning. The Word of God. As you read the Bible and most of you here have been reading it for a long time. As you read it, you will find a blessing in every single book. By the way, there are 66 books that makes up the Bible, and let me say this, there are no missing books. We have the entire Word of God from Genesis to Revelation. But as you read it, all 66 books, it will give you a blessing. When you go to every chapter, it makes no difference what chapter you read, it will definitely bring some sort of comfort to you. 
you will find a holy chill in many of its words. One of those kinds of words that has a special compelling significance to it is the word glory. And I want us to think about that today. The word glory appears almost 400 times throughout the word of God. It's a word we often speak about, the word glory. Listen carefully to this. The word glory is an outward manifestation of an inward reality. When the Bible speaks about God's glory, keep in mind we're preaching the sermon today, glory in the church. It's talking about the presence of God in all of his splendor as he reveals himself to men. And let me say quickly this morning that giving God glory ought to be part of our daily motivation, giving him glory. And it's easy. You say, well, preacher, you know, I don't know exactly how to do that. Well, listen, you can give God glory very easily when you're seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then it becomes very simplistic. Giving God the glory is offering him the praise that he deserves because he and he alone is worthy of it. As God, the word tells us, inhabits our praise. The praise band was here just a few moments ago. The singers were singing. I looked out across the congregation and many of you had your hands up. That's praise. God inhabits our praise. You're praising him when you do that. When we praise God, he, he inhabits our praise and he divinely seeks to be glorified in our praise. And here's an interesting thing. As God seeks to be glorified in our praise, he oftentimes reveals his glory to us. He gives us a picture of it. God has always been glorious in everything he does. In fact, I'd like for you to turn with me to Psalms chapter 19 and verse number 1 because here in this passage, Psalms 19 verse 1, we see his glory when he stepped out on the portals of nothing and created the heavens and the earth. When he created the spectrum of the universe, according to Psalms chapter 19 verse number 1, we see his glory. The Bible says this, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork. So we see the glory of God manifested in his creation. According to the word, we can also see the glory of God through the person of his son, Jesus Christ. In fact, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, I invite you to turn or I invite you to look at the screen. They will get them up quickly for you. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, we see the glory of God through the person of Jesus Christ. The Bible says, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. So listen carefully. We can see the glory of God in creation. We can see the glory of God in the person of Jesus Christ. And one of the most beautiful ways that we can see his glory is in the church. You think about this because it is God's people that make up the church. 
Often we talk about the church and I hope that you realize that there's a lot of people in the church. We're talking about a huge number of folks because every single born again person is a part of the church. The church is the body of Christ. Now I wouldn't want one single person this morning to get this wrong, so please listen very carefully. This may be a shock to some of you, but there are going to be other people in heaven who are not Baptists. I just saw two bobby pins fly off. <clears throat> Let me say that again. There are going to be other people in heaven who are not Baptist. You say, well, how in the world could God allow such a thing? Listen, that should not disappoint anybody because the story of the gospel is simply this. One beggar showing another beggar where he found the bread. And let me say that the mission of the church is to show every beggar where the bread is. And so listen, I've won people to Christ before that have not been Baptists and did not become a Baptist after they were born again. So don't think for one minute that only Baptists are going to heaven. I wouldn't want one person to misconstrue that in your mind. So when I say the church is comprised of a huge crowd, it is a very large crowd of people. Now, let me also say this, that the world itself condemns us today in Christianity. They call us the minority. And I will tell you this, according to the book of Revelation, when we all get to heaven and we all stand before the Lord, the Bible says that the crowd is going to be so large that no man could number them. So the world may consider us to be the minority today, but glory to God, there's coming a time when we will be the glorious majority. Somebody say amen. amen. Thousands upon thousands of other people who are not Baptists, other denominations are going to heaven. And not because of their particular denomination. The person that goes to heaven is not going to be there because he was a Pentecostal, a Baptist, Church of God, Episcopalian, a Lutheran. A person going to heaven is going to be there because of the redeeming and atoning blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the only way a person can go. No one goes to heaven because of their denomination. It's only the blood. And for every single person who has been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ is part of the church. And if you want to be a part of the church, now you think about this. If you are a part of the church, then you do have, according to the word, a home on the other side. In fact, this is one of the things that the Lord Jesus Christ is doing right now at this very moment. He's preparing every believer, according to the word, a mansion on the hilltop. That's why we sing that song sometimes. You heard that old song, I've got a mansion over the hilltop. 
Well, let me tell you something. The, one of the things that Jesus is doing right now is building us a home. He is building us a home in heaven. The Bible says, let not your heart be troubled. John 14, you believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go and prepare a place for you that where I am there, you may be also. So right now, the thing that Jesus is doing, he is preparing for us a mansion in heaven. He is preparing us a home in heaven. But right now, he is also preparing a habitation for himself on this earth. While he is building us a home in heaven, he's building a house for him on this earth. And I want you to think about that. And that's the church. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 22 says this, in whom you are also built together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. I want you to see another passage quickly with me. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 5. I must work fast. Ye are also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house. That's the earthly habitation. The Bible teaches us that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. A holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. So listen, here, here is how it happens. The Holy Spirit of God, he through the supernatural wonder-working power of the blood, when a person calls upon the name of the Lord to be saved, the Holy Spirit blasts us from the quarries of sin and saves us by God's amazing grace. And then he puts us in the working, the building work of the Lord Jesus Christ here on the earth. Now, the church is not only made up of Christians all over the world. It's not just about a number all over the world that no one can count. But the main focus of the church is local and visible. The local New Testament church. And here's the pattern. In the early days of the church, as it began on the days of Pentecost, listen carefully. When the church was birthed, here was the pattern. When believers of the early church got saved, they immediately did two things. When the early church got saved, the first thing that those converts did was follow the Lord in believers' baptism. It was the first, not the last thing, not the middle of the road thing. When a person got saved, that's why it works like this today. Baptism does not come before salvation. In the early church, these New Testament believers, after they were gloriously saved, according to the word of God, they were baptized. And then after they, baptized, they were baptized, they became a member of a local New Testament church. And it's this church, the local New Testament church, that Jesus is building today. For him to have a habitation is what brings God on this earth the glory. God not only wants to receive glory in our individual lives, but God wants to get much glory through the body of Christ. Now, how does God do that? How does God get glory in the church? How does God get glory in the body of Christ? First of all, God gets glory in the church as Brother Drew sang so well this morning by preaching the word. When the word of God is preached in the church, God can get the glory. One of the biggest problems in this world today is that churches are no longer preaching the word. There are churches congregating everywhere on this planet 
And they're doing everything under the sun other than preaching the word. Preachers today are wasting people's time when they come into the house of God and they begin to tell stories and poems and talk about nature and geography and all of this stuff that matters absolutely nothing. Listen carefully. If I were not going to preach the word in this pulpit, I would admit that I would be here today wasting your time. Here's what I believe. I've said it a thousand times. The reason why there are too many icicles in the pew is because there are too many polar bears in the pulpit. They will not preach the word of God. God gets glory in the church when the word is preached. Hebrews 4.12 says this, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now here's a scripture the media team does not have. I want them to insert it if they can. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 2. Paul is writing when he says this, preach the word. He said, be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. Now listen carefully. Many preachers no longer preach the word. But I will tell you, I have no other message to preach. Preachers today want people to feel warm and fuzzy and good. And they want just just people to smile all the time. I want you to smile. I want you to feel warm. I want you to feel fuzzy. But I will tell you this. That's not the message I have. I'm not here today just to make you warm and fuzzy. I'm here this morning to preach to the church the word of God. I will assure you that the word of God has stood against time. It has conquered the devil and his demons. It has conquered the sinful and wicked hearts of men. It has remained true and honest and pure since its beginning. It's been quick in our desperation. God's word is free to anybody on this planet other than Baptists. It's free to anybody on this planet that wants it. God's word will never tell a human being, no matter who they are, what they are, where they are, to get in a line. The word of God will never tell a person to come back at a more convenient season. The word of God is perfect for every single storm you face in life. This book can mend the broken hearts of men and women. It can put families back together again. It can bring people out of depression. It can draw a loved one to Christ. It can guide you through a valley. It can lift you to a mountaintop. It can give you hope at a grave. It's two-edged sword. The Bible says never cuts to hurt, but it always cuts to heal. It's sharp in judgment. It will always be fair. It's very accurate. It will reveal sin and tell us how to get out of it. It will vindicate the righteous at the appointed time. And one of the best things about the word is that it will never return void. The word of God has meaning. It's refreshing. It will always reveal the true heart of God. The songwriter said, sing them over again to me, the wonderful words of life. I'm telling you that when the word of God is preached in the church, it will bring glory to God. When I preached Jeremiah 33, 3, 
three, call unto me, and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. It will bring glory to God. When I stand and preach Matthew eleven twenty eight, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That scripture will bring glory to God. When I stand here today and preach John 14, 6, that Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. That scripture will bring glory to God. When I stand here and preach Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, he said, I will never leave thee nor forsake you. When I stand here and I preach that truth in God's house, I'm telling you today, it will bring honor and glory to the Lord. So God can get glory in the church when the word is preached. Secondly, today, God can get glory in the church when his work, his work is being done. This is a spiritual truth. And I pray that this church, those that are watching by internet, the church, the body of Christ, I wish every Christian could get the grip on this spiritual truth. And that is this, the church is not ours. The church is his. The church belongs to him. In fact, the word says this in Acts chapter 20, verse number 28. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. So the church, listen carefully, it doesn't belong to a single one of us. The church belongs to him. And there's a divine mandate that we occupy until he comes. Now, because it belongs to him, we ought to be busy about his business. You say, well, pastor, what is his business? What is the work that a born-again believer ought to be involved in? Well, number one, obviously, it ought to be the Great Commission. Every member of the body of Christ, especially this local New Testament, visible, tangible church, ought to be involved in it, and that is evangelizing the world uh, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We ought to be involved in discipleship, helping people to know what to do with themselves after they have been saved. I'm glad, listen, I didn't attend a church when I was growing up as a child. When I got saved and I was, glory to God, I was five years old. I will never forget it. My mother prayed with me one day when I came home from school. By the way, both of my mom and dad are still living. They're in the service today and I give God the praise and the honor and the glory for them right there. I'm glad that when I got saved as a five-year-old boy, my mother, my pastor, my father, my Sunday school teacher didn't just, you know, say, well, hey, I hope you work out. I hope it just goes good for you through your life. Now, you know what? They took time with me. They took time to tell me what I needed to do after that. I was taught as a very young child that after you get saved, you get baptized. After you get baptized, you become a member of the church. Let me tell you this. I'm glad of that. I'm glad I knew that as a young child. Part of the work that we need to be involved in is the Great Commission, evangelizing the world. We need to be involved in discipleship, helping people that have received Christ as their Savior to know what they need to do after they give their hearts to Christ. 
We ought to be involved in the edification of the body. Listen, every member of this local New Testament church ought to be involved in the ministry of lifting one another up and not in the ministry of tearing one another down. Can somebody say amen? Amen. That's the work of God. That's God's work. We ought to be involved in this thing of forgiveness and restoration. We can never be the Christian that God wants us to be until we are willing to forgive and, to, and we're willing to restore one another. There ought to be a ministry for those, I believe, who are less fortunate than others. The Bible says this in Galatians chapter 1, verse number 10. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. But more so than not, I will tell you this. There are always a few professing Christians that are more consumed with doing the work of Satan in the local church than the work of God. Instead of some people coming to get lifted up, some people come to get knotted up. Let me ask you this. Who would you rather give the glory to in your spiritual life, God or the devil? You can't have it both ways. It's one or the other. A negative spirit will always hinder the work of God. And if you want to give God the glory, then don't associate yourself in the church with the ministry of murmuring, the ministry of gossip, the ministry of sowing discord, the ministry of working a negative phone calling a ministry. Don't get involved in causing division and discord and posting trash on Facebook. Listen, that will not bring glory to God. I promise you that. Let me remind you, when you do those kind of things, that's not coming from a servant of the Lord. That's, that's not the messenger of the Holy Spirit. That doesn't represent the work of God. That represents individuals who, who have become puppets on the devil's string. And let me say this. You might say, preacher, you know, I just don't see how in the world a Christian could get involved in some of those things like you did. Let me tell you this. The power of Satan has a power in such a way that it could manipulate any of us to do anything at any given time. Yeah. You say, I don't believe that. Then you think about what happened to Simon Peter the night before Jesus was crucified. Let me tell you something. Was he not one of the 12? Was he not part of this little band of men that were turning the world upside down? But let me tell you, in almost the same breath, he was the man that started cussing, swearing. He said, I know not the man. I'm not part of this movement. I'm not part of this church. I'm telling you this. The devil has a way to manipulate us. And if we're not careful, friend, he will devour us like the word of God says. He is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Listen carefully this morning. When you think about these things, Jesus is in the building of this earthly habitation, our earthly bodies, our earthly person to be part of this great thing we call the church. Now listen carefully. God gets glory in the church when the word is preached. God gets glory in the church through the work of his work getting done. Number three, and finally, I have to move fast. God can get glory in the church when we are willing to worship him. Listen carefully to John chapter four and verse number 23 and 24. If you can't turn there fast enough, read it on the screen. John four, verse 23 and 24. God can get the glory in the church when we were willing to worship him. But the hour cometh and, is, and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit and they that worship him, look at this very carefully, must, it's not a suggestion, 
The word says must worship him in spirit and in truth. So when you think about that, friend, listen, it's impossible to worship God correctly with unconfessed sin in our life. It's impossible to worship God correctly with hatred towards a brother or sister. It's impossible to worship God correctly with open disobedience to the word. It's an impossibility to worship God correctly when we have a desire to live more and be more like the world. But when we worship him in spirit and in truth, according to the word of God that you read here this morning, the Bible says that God can get glory in the church. One of the ways that God gets glory in our church is through the ministry of music. And let me say this about that. Whether it's gospel opera, listen, I can't stand it. I cannot stand it. Love left me. I can't stand it. But you know what? I got some good friends that love it. They love it. And when we get together in fellowship, I just say, rock on, buddy. <laughs> I hate gospel opera. Let me tell you this. We can worship God in old traditional hymns. I like the ones you sang this morning. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. I like the old time hymns. I like southern gospel music. We can worship God. People can worship God in the, in the gospel opera. I have a hard time knowing how, but they do. <laughs> They're sincere about it, but they do. We can worship God in these traditional hymns. We can worship God in the Southern Gospel. We can worship God in the progressive music. We can worship God in the contemporary music. Let me tell you this. The Bible says, let everything that hath breath praise ye the Lord. And whether it's the potter's house or whether it's in touch, uh, whether it's whatever ministry it is, listen, God's doing works of wonderful things there. God's doing wonderful works in those places, God's doing a wonderful work here. But listen, let me tell you something. As long as the music is scriptural, as long as it's anointed, as long as it uplifts the soul, worship him. Praise him. To God be the glory in the church. God can get praise in our worship through music. He can get praise. He can get glory in our, in our praying the sincerity of it. He can get praise. He can get the glory in, in our exalting him. He can get glory in our tithes and offerings. He can get the glory with a united surrender to the Holy Spirit. All of this will bring glory to him. I like that old song that says, down at the cross where my Savior died, there for cleansing from sin I cried. There to my heart was the blood applied. Glory to his name. One of the biggest and greatest necessities of the church today is this. 
is that we make sure when we walk in these doors, our motivation, our purpose, our desire is to bring him glory. There was uh, an elderly couple a long time ago and uh, she came in, he came in, got a seat, whatever. I'm going to paraphrase a lot of this, add some stuff to it. But uh, let me tell you, <clears throat> she comes in, she said, do you see that hat sister so-and-so had on today? He said, no, I didn't see that. Do you hear sister so-and-so? She got off a note in the choir. She was flat as a pancake. Do you hear that? No, I didn't, I didn't hear that. Did you hear the pastor this morning when he was preaching his heart out almost into a convulsion? Sometimes I feel like I'm preaching myself into a suicide when I <laughs> preach. But did you hear the preacher preach? He quoted that scripture wrong, left out a word. It was supposed to be a thee and not a that. And he said thee. Listen, or that. She kept nudging him and asking him all these questions. He said, I sure didn't see it. She said, well, what do you come to church for then? <laughs> You know what? We walk into these doors. The number one purpose of us being here today ought to be for him. If we have come to judge the music, if we have come to find fault with the carpet, if we have come to find fault with a Sunday school teacher, if we've come to find fault with how many babies we had in the nursery, how many crying kids we had. Listen, if we have come to the house of God with all of that pathetic stuff on our mind, who wins? We're either doing the work of God or we're doing the work of Satan. When we come into the house of God, this ought to be a habitation of praise. And glory. God wants glory. He wants it in our individual lives and He wants it in the church. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.